because I can own exactly who I am and still be humble. I can own exactly what I've accomplished and still be humble because I also don't think I've got it all figured out. Great experiences build great leaders. Great leaders build great teams. This is Building Great Sales Teams. All right, guys, welcome back to Building Great Sales Teams. I've got a very special guest for you guys today, and I'll give you a little backstory. I was at Adam Lyons' uh, Smart CEO event, and uh, Brian was easily my favorite speaker at the event. He's the one that I connected with the most, and um, we're going to talk a little bit about what he talked about at that event, but Brian is an amazing father and husband. He's the creator of the Waste to Wealth Method. And he's the owner of the Brian Bogert Companies. He's an expert in helping businesses eliminate waste while connecting and converting. Brian, welcome to the show, brother. Man, I am so excited to be here with you. And I, I felt the same way. Uh, the fact that you had your kid with you at that event said everything I needed to know about you in that moment. It was beautiful to witness. And I've appreciated our relationship building since. Yeah, we we had a blast at that event. And what you talked about really resonated with me because I realized that I was in that moment. I was doing exactly what you were talking about and you were talking about preventing burnout. Can you kind of walk the listeners through that talk a little bit? You don't have to go through the whole thing, but maybe just hit the finer points. Yeah. So, you know, what's really interesting is, and I, I gave Adam a little bit of crap for this when I got to that session. Like I don't typically talk about burnout as a, as a tagline, right? But that was what it was all about. That's what it was positioned on. But what I do focus on I'm the creator of the Waste to Wealth Method, which is five pillars to help any individual or organization identify, remove, or transform the waste they didn't even know existed within themselves or their organization into wealth-generating activities that connect and convert. Now, how do I do that? I look to really help people understand not just their mental and intellectual toughness, but the combination and integration of mental and emotional to really understand the importance of feeling, not to have our emotions rule us, but frankly, to put ourselves in a position where we can escape the normal resistance energy drain from the low frequency, low energy emotions like guilt, shame, control, perfectionism, right? All these things that zap us and absolutely fry our capacity, which also limit our ability to have more impact, grow our businesses and have the time, energy and capacity to focus on those that we love. You know, I believe in integrating life. And so I help a lot of service-based entrepreneurs get back to the core of who they are so they can stand in their power and potential, live the lives they want on their terms. And it just so happens that when we focus on wealth beyond just monetary riches, but also time, relationships, and health, all of those and how we can integrate someone allows them to amplify everything in their lives. And uh, I've lived it myself. I've coached many through it, but I also say very clearly before I start, that doesn't mean that I have it all figured out. I'm no sage on a stage. I had a reactionary moment with my wife on Sunday. Like we still feel things, but it's about taking us from in a position where I used to live in these things for months and years to existing in them in minutes and moments before we move through them so that they aren't creating damage and they aren't negatively impacting our lives. So I got to ask, you know, in your experience and because you are assessing a lot of entrepreneurs, I would imagine, and what, what are typically the red flags that you see happening and kind of the things that you go after first in the system? So the reality of it is, is that there is always pattern recognition with people. 
right? Once you understand human performance, you understand human behavior, you understand how these types of things move through people's bodies, you really can put yourself in a position to see them and identify them quickly. But what do I see? Most of my clients come to me not to work on their internal stuff. They come to grow and scale their businesses, have better connection with their teams, to scale their sales teams, to understand leadership and cultural development, to da 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 Sometimes it's down to the level of like, hey, I've got everything I want in my world, but I don't have the relationship I want with my wife and my kids or my husband and my kids. And then we've got to look elsewhere. So people come to me typically for what they want, which is greater outcomes, greater ability to live, more freedom. And then I give them what they need. The greatest pattern I see, and I will say this is across the board with high performers, many entrepreneurs exist this, is shame-based type patterns. I think shame is the ultimate wolf in sheep's clothing. It presents itself as perfectionism, control, guilt, fear, and 50 other emotions. And I myself suffered from shame for 25 years, but didn't even realize it because I didn't understand all the narratives of how this was showing up and where it was showing up. But almost all high performers at some level have learned to receive love, validation, and connection through performance, right? They just got the attention yep. that they wanted for the very first time in their lives when all of a sudden they stepped on that baseball field and they were an all-star, right? The, the very first time that they got into work and they started crushing it in sales and they started getting acknowledgement and recognition when for so long they felt alone, disconnected, like they weren't really a part of something, right? The things that gave us praise were the things that we lean into, which is often performance, which is also contingent based on relationships. It's also where people want more from you than for you. And many of us lean into this and myself included, which led to burnout, which led to me losing almost everyone and everything I wanted in my life more than once. And obviously we'll get into some different components, but that's the greatest pattern I see. I'll give you one example of a client, okay? Right at the beginning of COVID, we started working together. He's in the commercial real estate business. He does investment, property management, and development, okay? We all know what happened in commercial real estate in 2020 when COVID hit. Everything started to be crushed. Gig economy came into place. Virtual working started to happen. And so he literally was in a place where he told his teams, we have 17 months of liquidity left. You guys need to start looking for other jobs. He was on the tail end of a $600,000 settlement. He owed himself over a quarter million dollars in back due wages for himself that he foregoed to pay his team. They lived in the same house they had for 10 years when their little boys were little. Now they're full grown men and they don't have enough room. His wife and him are on top of him. He's out of shape. And this guy used to ride his bike from coast to coast in the United States more than once in his life, right? Three months in, we did the deep work. We gave him what he needed. What, what did we discover? He had a deep, deep, deep level of shame that was showing up as scarcity and self-protection in areas that were particularly with a certain pattern of men. Well, where did this come from? Or the relationship he's had with his brother and his dad for his entire life that he could never escape. But what do we do? He was not leading effectively. He didn't know how to delegate. His teams didn't trust him. He didn't have the systems and processes in place because he still believed that if he didn't do it, then nothing was going to get done. So we started to repair himself, then repair his systems and processes in his business. Here was the result 15 months later. They, it took him six and a half years to build his business to 1.85 million. In the next 15 months, they generated two and a half million. They more than doubled the size of their organization, extended benefits, raises, and additional things within his organization. And they ended up buying that home. He ended up netting over 600 grand in the following year. But here's the reality. He was convinced his ship was sinking, but he didn't know about his shame. Once we were able to stand in that truth and give him a pathway forward, his whole life was changed. And his business since that time has gone another 2X from the point where I left him. Man, I love that so much. And it's, it's incredibly massive. And it's where 
you know, when you look at consulting and coaching, the differences in the two, you know, because I'm a consultant, right? I go in and you need to you need to install a sales program. That's what I do. I am not touching the business owner's shame. You know what I'm saying? And that's what I love about coaches. You, you can go in and you can fix the root of the problem, right? So that you won't need another consultant to come in and fix this other thing. You know what I'm saying? Because a lot of times it starts with that root. You know, when I look at my history, it always does, I, didn't, I didn't. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't start my development until about two and a half years ago because I never mm-hmm. had a reason to. I was constantly surrounded. I was constantly the smartest person in the room or the most successful person in the room, but I lived and died on that performance. Like you talked about, I was very much the business owner that you're talking about right now. So when that performance went down, when that bank account went down, oh, I was a worthless human being in my mind. You know what I mean? I had no, your entire work no, was, was on it. <laughs> absolutely. So I'm just resonating so much with that story and, and how you're telling it. It's fantastic. And I, I hope. I know, I should say, I know our listeners are hearing some of these things and like, oh, that's me. Oh, that's me. Hey, I need to work on this. And so but this, uh, I think this it's directly it. applies to salespeople too and sales teams mm-hmm. and sales leaders, right? How many people yeah. haven't gotten a sale because they were too afraid to ask, right? Absolutely. How many people have said yes and thrown in everything in the kitchen sink because they believed they needed to to win the deal? How many people mm-hmm. undercut their prices and commoditize who they are because they don't know their own worth? And they don't even have a full understanding of the value and worth of what they're selling, right? Like if your salespeople don't understand this stuff, they're creating reputational damage for your company. If you're the owner and entrepreneur, and if you're a salesperson, what are you doing? You're limiting your income potential because you're just going through a system and a process. Now, I want to be really, really clear. Systems and processes are critically important. Consultants and people who put in entire processes for teams to scale, critically important. But if you want to maximize that investment, get your people right too. Because when they are able to operate within that system, the system will absolutely shine and will become exponential in a way that wouldn't be possible alone. I couldn't agree more. So I meet so many of my clients through mastermind groups like Adam's group. And that means that they are reaching for something more. They're reaching for growth and development, right? Mm-hmm. And I think the gap that happens is instead of you know doing that, and bringing it back to their sales team or bringing it back to their staff and saying, Hey, I learned this and I'm going to start doing this. You guys want to do it together. They kind of do it themselves and they create the separation between them them and their team where I'm learning, I'm growing, I'm moving forward, but I'm not bringing you guys with me, you know? And so I think so much of what you just said is so true because yeah, you've got the systems and processes go run, but then you're expecting your people to grow and develop themselves which if you want them to move up in the company, it can't just be an opportunity structure. It's also got to be, I'm moving up because I'm getting better at life. I'm moving up because my mindset is getting better. My health is getting better. My physical fitness, my mental health, you know, all these things are improving and I'm moving up in the company and into leadership, you know, so you've got to give them that pathway too, I feel like, because they're not spending 50, 60, 70 grand a year on growth and development or education. You know what I'm saying? So for you to get a complete ROI out of that, I feel like you've got to transfer that that down for sure. Totally. So one of the things that people hire you for is to scale their sales teams. You've got an extensive history in sales. So what are some of the things you attack there besides the mindset piece? Yeah, so we, we really do go deep at this point using our waste to wealth model with the five pillars. So let me give a little bit of framing on what this is. But um, before I do, I think... What we really teach as well is the human experience. 
which is critical for us to understand, for us to be successful. So we start there and then we layer in the pillars. So what is the human experience? I believe that we all seek and desire four things. We all wanna be safe. We all wanna feel protected. We all wanna feel seen and understood. And we all wanna feel connected. Now, here's the reality. If these first two don't exist, these last two, which are the two we want most, definitely don't, okay? So what happens when we walk into a sales room or a sales environment and, and all of a sudden the CFO who we're there to meet with says, so why are you the best person for us to do business with? Right, the old me would have just vomited all over his table because I had to justify <laughs> so much what my worth was and tell him all the reasons that we were the greatest when he already expected my bias. I had no relevance or credibility to give him a specific answer, right? But here's the reality. Why was that? Well, it's because I was inexperienced. I didn't have the wisdom. I didn't have the knowledge and I hadn't put in the work. And so what was I really doing? I was uncomfortable. I didn't feel seen and understood. I didn't feel connected. I didn't feel safe and I didn't feel protected. So now, Doug, I want you to imagine, you know, those 35 gallon black trash bags, okay? Mm -hmm. For the outdoor bins. I want you to grab one and I want you to unfold it, right? Imaginary unfold it and grab each corner and hold it out in front of you. Okay, I have salespeople okay. do this and sales teams do this, okay? Now, let's just assume that CFO sitting on the other side of that table is who you want to convince, who you want to be able to tell everything that you want, your hopes, your desires, your dreams, your intent for them, your boundaries, your expectations, all of the above, okay? And you want them to see this because that's what's gonna connect and convert for your sales. Let me ask you a question though, Doug. How can you properly portray who you are, what you want, your hopes, your dreams, your desires, your boundaries, your intent, how you're going to help them, and the way you can communicate that delivered through an opaque force field? And oh, by the way, that's assuming that they're not carrying their own armor that's further diluting the message. Yeah. Okay. So, now you so if we understand, the second you protect yourself, you disconnect yourself. So we teach this concept. You can put your arms down now, Doug. We talk about <laughs> trash because the waste to wealth method is all about identifying the trash from your past and also digging deep enough to figure out where the treasure is buried underneath all the trash pressure. And that's how we transform that waste into wealth generating activities by leveraging it and understanding it and getting it out of the way. And then we put this into place. But at the second you protect yourself, you guarantee you won't get the two things you want most. And if it's in the case of a sales environment, guess what? You're not going to land that sale. Because you are protective, you aren't confident, you aren't exuding the emotion and the energy that they want to buy from. It's like, oh shit, this guy's guarded and he must not, he must be trying to justify his job and his worth right now. Okay. Mm -hmm. So if we understand the human experience and we understand that the second we protect ourselves, we disconnect ourselves, then we teach protector and connector. What is that? That means that if I am in a position where I want everyone to feel safe, everyone to feel protected, everyone to feel seen and understood and everyone to feel connected in whatever environment I'm in. That means that I have to be able to lower my own armor. Armor protects pain. So we don't just teach you how to get your armor down. We teach you how to find your pain because your pain will point you towards what's important and we can alleviate that. But here's the reality. Here is where we go. And when we are moving ourselves down this direction, if we are disconnected and we are guarded and we are moving, we have to lower our own armor before we can do anything else. So there's two ways to do that. One, we can fabricate it by convincing ourselves we're safe in the moment, right? And lowering <laughs> our armor and saying, yep, I'm good. I'm good. I did nothing matters based on this interaction. Nothing matters based on this room. Everything's going to flow and be okay, right? Or we can actually unpack the patterns of our past to get to a point where we're no longer triggered and we no longer need to protect ourselves, okay? That's the long-term solution. But we all, I know salespeople want quick wins, right? So I can tell you how to lower yours by teaching this. Now, what happens in that case? Now you can wrap your layer of protection around the entire environment you're in. 
making everyone safe, protected, seen, understood, and connected, opening people to the opportunity of what's there. But it requires you to have a strong spine and a soft front. What's a strong spine? I know who I am. I know what I'm willing to do, what I'm not willing to do, what my value is, what my worth is, where my boundaries lie, and everything that's within it so that I can truly be unwavering in any environment. That's what allows me to lower my armor and have that soft front. I like to imagine my wife and my kids in this environment. If they want to come to me, they don't want strong, intense dad. They want gentle dad. They don't want to lay their head down on a metal piece yeah. of armor. They want to lay their head down on my chest. Right. By the way, your prospects are no different. Your teams are no different. Your business partners are no different. And so what image and, and message are you sending out because of these moments that you're being triggered that you might not even realize? So that's the basic foundation that we have to understand. But once we do, people are like, oh, that seems so easy. It seems to make so much sense. Yeah, because we all do it. We just don't talk about it and yeah. normalize it. But it can work in every environment. And so if we know that, then it's a matter of getting into the pillars. Now I can jump right into pillars or I can pause my friend and give you a chance to take it somewhere else if you want. No, absolutely. I, I definitely want to hear about that, but I do want to point out something. It's like uh, a real world application of this happening. And, and once you go through this and, and, and this happens all the time, right? You have a salesperson that comes in, they do really well, you know, and, and I call it, then they go through the sophomore slump. You know, what, what is the reason that they're going through that sophomore slump? They come in for a month, they crush it, you know, they, they make more money than they ever have, and then they go through the sophomore slump. And so very simply explaining, which I know that you could just open this wide or make this wide open, very simply explaining what's happening is they have a, a they're self-sabotaging because they don't believe that they should be able to earn more than that amount. So immediately they accommodate that amount. And they say, okay, I'm going to slow down and earn this maybe once a month or so instead of earning it every week of every month, yep. you know? And it happens all the time because they don't think that they're worth six figures. Maybe they're okay at 67, 60, 70K a year. And then they don't go for that six figures because in their mind, they have that, that self-doubt, you know, or they have that imposter syndrome or they, they shouldn't be making that money, you know? And so you, You're through your program, it sounds like are kind of like bringing that up to the forefront exposing it a little bit and then saying, Hey, let's deal with this. So you can go out and make six figures and you stop living. Yeah. So, so yes. And here's the reality, right? How many salespeople have you known that have that 500 pound telephone syndrome in front of them? Right? Like, I mean, they have call aversion to the point that they're like, I literally can't pick up that phone. It weighs 500 pounds, right? What you yeah. just outlined is there. But what I also want to highlight is there's a second side to that coin that many people don't talk about. Okay. What you hit on is I'm not worthy enough to earn six figures. I'm not worthy enough to do that. By the way, that's one pattern of shame. But the other side of shame is when you shut that down, you show up in the arena and you're ready to go to battle. It's who do you think you are? See, that's the one I suffered from. I, I, I would be lying if I told you I didn't have moments in not having worth, but it was not my predominant narrative. My predominant narrative was the bigger I lived, the smaller I made myself feel, or the more I felt the need to apologize for everything major I ever did. Okay, so I would crush things and no one would know about it. I would have all these successes and then I'd ratchet back the throttle in my life because I can't keep moving so fast because I'm going to make other people feel bad, right? This is what was ingrained in me through shame. And so look at this through the other side of it as well. The 500 pound telephone example is actually someone that I worked with who was a business owner who hated making calls. She'd hired the best sales trainers. She's gotten all these scripts. She got everything dialed. She felt <laughs> yeah. so ready, right? 
but none of it yeah. felt authentic to her. I know you're laughing because it's like, yeah, cool. That's not what's going to solve the problem. But great. Right. By the way, Doug's systems and process as well, because he also integrates the human side. But here's the truth. Okay. When we sat down, what did I do? I said, so do you have an aversion to talking to people? No. Do you have a problem if they're not clients? No. So you can talk to prospects, non-clients, potential prospects, all the above, and you can communicate with them open. Yep. Do you have any problem exploring for your clients or your prospective client, clients a pathway to identify areas that they might have pain? No. Okay. And if you know those patterns and you're able to identify them, do you have any concerns in your ability to communicate or outline a solution for them on the other side? No. Okay. Great. So we're going to keep going, right? So now you've made these deals. You've sold these deals. Do you have any problem fulfilling these? Well, no. Okay. So we sat back and we worked with this individual to identify and realize that she actually had a fear of success. She knew she could fulfill. She knew she could do this, but she didn't know what it would look like on the other side. And she didn't believe that she could live into the person that could make all the promises that she knew she could deliver on. So we had to repair and focus on that. Here's the crazy part. Literally over the course of a couple of months, the telephone now is being picked up regularly. She still makes cold calls on a regular and consistent basis. She 2X the revenue in her business within six months because she was able to put herself in a position where she realized it wasn't the phone, it wasn't the medium of communication, it, and it wasn't even her ability to navigate the conversation or provide solutions and fulfill on them. It had everything to do with yeah. her playing small subconsciously because she didn't know how to otherwise. And there's so much subsequent gross revenue that probably came from that because she was doing it and then her team followed suit and she Bingo. set the example for everybody, you know, which is massive. You know, I'm, I'm a big, you know, I, I don't like it when people say, you know, I'm going to lead by example and their version of that is I'm literally going to do what my salespeople are doing. You know, I, I think that has to happen to a certain degree in the beginning, but at the end of the day, at some point you got to start running in the business. You got to yeah. start bringing yes, in leads. I, I agree. I'm laughing because I totally know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then they, you know, that's their, their badge of honor. Right. But another thing you said kind of resonated with me as well. It's like, Hey, I don't, I don't think I'm worthy of this success or how do I say this? You're, you know, my, my thing was always deflecting. I thought being humble was a hundred percent the way I had to go at all times Yep. to where it was like, it was like we would have a record month and at t would be giving us a, an award and it'd be my staff, my team, my staff, my team, my staff, my team. Every answer for everything good was that. And then what happened is they started believing it. <laughs> you know what I mean? That it was just them and none of it was me. And then, you know, I had a VP of sales that actually left the company for like eight months and uh, we were in a downturn. And so he left the company to go sell insurance or something like that by himself. He was just like, I just want to worry about myself. And I'm like, Hey, I respect that. Go do your thing. And then we grew the, we grew the revenue of the company by 40%. And I realized finally then it was like, Hey, wait a second. You know, I'm giving everybody else the credit, but every now and then I can give myself the credit. Right. Cause I'm the orchestrator of all of this, you know? And yeah. so that was one of the things I had to overcome was that constantly thinking I needed to be humble all the time, you know? So that was well, and the reality of it is humility right is not is not self-deprecation. Right? Being humble, I can sit here and tell you that we built a new program, we created a launch, we had a very successful three-day event last week. And I can tell you in the last three weeks in our business, on a new program that we were testing, didn't know if it was gonna work, we generated over 80 grand of sales testing it. We didn't, we haven't even ramped it up yet, right? 
five years ago, I couldn't even told you that, even though at that time, five years ago, I was still a partner in a $16 million business that I helped build from the ground up. Right. I couldn't even tell you that. Right. Because it, to the whole point of what I said, I was making myself small and I was trying to be humble. I didn't want to be egotistical because what was I told? I was told early on, we don't talk about money. We don't talk about success. We don't rub that in people's faces. We don't do those things. And so for me, it was so binary when the reality of it is I can own exactly who I am and still be humble. I can own exactly what I've accomplished and still be humble because I also don't think I've got it all figured out. I've also failed right. more times than most people can wrap their minds around, right? I've put in the reps, which also gives me the conviction to know that I can do it now. But you just described so many sales leaders, so many sales people, so many entrepreneurs journeys where it's like, well, no, I was told I need to be humble. I can't actually own. My no, own your role and always give credit where it's due. Yeah, absolutely. And it's such a massive thing that we have to overcome sometimes and getting there. We need a guide. You know what I mean? And so you said that you had a webinar last week or an event last week. Um, do you have anything like that coming up that if people are hearing this and they're like, man, I need to navigate some of this stuff, where can they, where can yeah. they, uh, find that at? We do, we do. Um, if, and I'm going to actually, for any of your listeners, I'm going to give you a VIP code as well. We've got another okay. event coming up the 18th, 19th and 20th of September. Okay. So I don't know how real time this is going out, but if you go to go.brianbogert.com backslash amplify, it's actually, I think what my name is on the StreamYard link, if you need it. Yep. There it is. Boom. Okay. And then if you put in VIP code 100, you will get free access to this. Now, what is this? This is the Waste to Wealth Amplify event. It's a three-day mastery event that integrates not only the Waste to Wealth method for you in your business, but it also layers in significant digital marketing strategies, ways to leverage other people's platforms, ways to grow your authority. And it shows how I went from a complete unknown name in the industry and less than 10 posts on Google a few years back to now I've got over 20 pages that can show my credibility. Again, I don't say that to brag. I'm not saying it to impress. We actually do have the model that can help many service-based entrepreneurs actually build the business and have the lives that they've been chasing that a lot of other programs they've invested in are just empty. You know, these are every single tool, every single strategy that I've used as an entrepreneur for my last 20 years, up to and including negotiating your worth up front. You know, I was a master in my old industry of not being commoditized in a highly commoditized industry. Everybody competed on rate, but I would take a six or a $150,000 deal. I'd turn it into a $180,000 deal in the fixed fee and rate. And I'd put two other parameters in it to give us another 250 to 300 grand in sh a shared savings or profit share models by doing it all up front before we've ever even signed the contract. We're teaching service-based entrepreneurs to do this so they can escape the rat race of trading time for money and also actually living the life that they want without feeling like garbage every day. Yeah, that's a huge evolution that, that takes a lot of experience and time. And if you can compress that experience in time, that's incredibly massive. So one of the things that you were talking about was building your brand, you know, and building some of that authority. And, and I have noticed that I will say guys, listeners, like I have interviewed probably over 200 people on this podcast, right? I am part of a lot of mastermind networks. And so I've seen a lot of brand execution in the marketplace and Brian, yours is one of the best I've seen so far. There has oh, not, thank you. there hasn't been a day that's gone by that I haven't seen you in my feed in some 
shape, form, or fashion, whether it's an ad, whether it's an article or your own, you know, post that you're putting out, of course. But it it's typically it's it's very you can tell it's very intentional because once I got into your sphere and into your network, basically it was like, hey, now you're getting Brian every day or at least once a week, right? And so what are what's some of the advice you can give to some of these newer coaches, consultants, service-based businesses that are trying to build that brand? Yeah. So understanding the basics of communication is really one of the best places to really understand this in the digital world. Okay. Because so many people are, are still stuck in historical patterns of communication that really don't give access to all of what we intend. Okay. So what do I mean by this? We've heard these studies before, but let's look at this as it relates to building a brand in the digital space. Okay. 7% of what we intend to communicate or what we receive in communication comes from the words that are used. 38% comes from the cadence, the tone, and the delivery. That means that if you're using just phone or just email or just text or just DM, you're giving your prospective clients at most 45% of what you intend to communicate. And that's if you're a good communicator already, they're gonna really understand it, really resonate it, and know that it's a congruent message, okay? But that means that 55% is in the nonverbals. You can probably see the quality of the studio that I have. You've clearly invested in yours as well. This is the fourth iteration of camera that I'm on right now. And we've got a brand and reputation and a course on teaching people how to create a world-class home studio at home. Why? Because when COVID hit and I started to realize this even more so, I'd already been using video in my business for over 10 years in a way that no one was in my old brick and mortar business. You think that differentiated me? Hell yeah, it did. Did it get me attention? Hell yeah, it did. Is that why I was in the top half percent of my industry globally? Hell yeah, it was because I knew how to do something different. But here's the reality. If we know that 100% of our communication comes in words, tone, delivery, cadence, and the nonverbals, then video is our greatest chance to connect with people unless we're with them in person. Okay, so what does that mean? We need to take up real estate in people's brains and consciousness so that we're there. They're seeing our message. And oh, by the way, it has to be consistent and it has to be congruent to who you are and the message and brand that you want to build. I, I don't like this idea of saying, oh, Bert, build your personal brand. I hate the concept of personal brands. I use the word because it's something that people identify with, but your personal brand is you. Look, it's you. So what are you hiding? What are you protecting? What don't you want the world to see? Doug can probably affirm to this. Everything that you see from me, how I show up online is how I show up in person. It's how I show up in shows. It's how I show up in my content. Why? Because it's the same way I show up with my family because it's who I am which makes it really easy to be congruent. But if I'm congruent and I'm consistent and I'm giving people access to 100% of my communication, then I just have to make sure that people are finding it. Now, organic reach, only 2% of organic videos go viral. Only 2%, 2%. Now here's the reality, we had some go viral, gave us tons of lift, tons of processes. But here's the reality, what's funny is you're like, yeah, I see Brian in my feed every single day. Our engagement has freaking tanked in the last six months. like. We are, like every algorithm is oh, suppressing wow. us. Like we are not visible, but here's the reality. How are we making up for that? Well, last month alone in ads, we had a reach of 500,000 people just from who we were talking to in ads. A number of those transferred into our world, into programs, into webinars. We're educating, we're serving, we're giving value. That's, the, that, that's what this can do for you because it's not about engagement alone. It's about reach. How many people are you getting to? How many people are hearing your messages? How do you become an unknown authority, right? I want, I want you to be a known authority, not an unknown authority. 
And so that's what we teach. But the reality of it is, is a lot of it just has to do with turning the camera on and starting talking and being able to be okay, knowing that whatever you put out there is going to land and resonate with somebody and you're going to learn and you're going to refine with more reps. I couldn't agree more on, especially on the video piece, because that's been a, an incredibly important thing for me for a long time. And, um, you know, I'm actually in between offices right now. I've been recording from my house. That's why my internet signal is on the fritz because I live way out in the country. So I'm doing the best with what I got. But I literally, from one day moving out of my office and I'm moving into a new one in a week to the next day, I had this set up. You know what I'm saying? Because it's important to me. You know, it's important that you don't just see a white wall background. You know, it's important that you take pride in your image. You know what I'm saying? Whether it's in your, the way that you dress and the way that you look, and it can be in a t-shirt like I am today and like you are, right? But we're well-groomed, we're lit for video, you know what I'm saying? And so I think, I think that's incredibly important. One of the things that I definitely want to upgrade is the camera, right? That's a, that's a big goal of mine to have that camera upgrade. I've been doing the research and everything. Ryan's been doing research on the media side. And so- Bro, I, got I, I can, can help you. I can point you in the right direction. Come to me, I got yeah. you, bro. Just send me your setup and we're good. Because <laughs> I love it. But I mean, I to your point, that's, that's, it's critical because it's not just video. It's about the quality of the image as well, right? Because if right. you're giving somebody 720p, which is what most built-in webcams are, is 720p, right? We're going back to, like, that's DVD quality standard. We're, I mean, that's, that's way old compared to where we are today, right? Many, we can get up to 1080, right? But I shoot with 4K and even on Zoom, which suppresses it to 1080 for me because I'm on the pro account right? I'm still getting a yeah. crisper image. But why is that important? Facial expressions, nonverbals. If you're doing touch up my appearance on Zoom, by the way, people can't see your nonverbals. So you're limiting your ability to communicate <laughs> to them on top of whatever lack of technology you have. And so again, if, yeah. if people are not knowing who to trust, the world is starving for authentic leadership. You can fill that space by just showing up as you by turning on the camera and starting talking. And that's one of the things I pulled from what you said earlier, too, was the authenticity. You're the same person in front of the camera, in person, on a podcast, wherever you're at, you're that same person. If you're not trying to be someone else, and I, and I, I can hear it, you know, and, and most people do this subconsciously, whether they know it or not. They can feel the energy. It's off. They can hear the tone. It's off. They know that what you're saying, you don't believe when you're saying it because you don't execute <laughs> yep. it in your personal life and in your day-to-day -day real life. You know, so right away, your energy's off. You're not going to make that sale, right? Yeah. And, it, and it's so much of going back to what you were talking about earlier, what's the root of the problem, you know? And I see it all the time on social media. I, I see these buzzwords happen or these these catchphrases, you know, Hormozzi starts it and then everybody else uses it, right? <laughs> or uh, Annie Priscilla or, you know, Joe Rogan. Somebody starts this quote or this phrase and then all of a sudden it's, it's in a course, you know what I mean? And it, and it's part of a coach's advice that he's giving that day, you know, whatever the case is just regurgitated over and over again, you know, but when it comes from an authentic place that just goes, you, you can have a crappy camera, but you're still getting to the root. You're, you're still hitting someone right yeah. in the heart, right in the feels because it's real. It's authentic, you know, and then you round you're that exactly out with right. a nice. I'm going to always say the message is going to outweigh the medium, right? Always. Mm -hmm. But if we want to, backfill that gap until the message is dialed Thanks. technology can help but to your point exactly dude there's so many people out there talking and so few with anything to say right i, I would argue <laughs> that very few people talk about the things that i talk about 
right? There are some people who dabble in it, who go around different things. But most of the time when people come into our world, they're like, holy shit, I haven't heard anybody talking about the stuff the way that you do. Yeah, yeah, it's because we created it. All of our models, yeah. everything that we're doing, we built, right? And that's why I don't sound like every other person, which is also why my reach can expand. No, and I love it. And and you're 100% right. And what I love about your business is I have every intention of my clients that I know need this. I have every intention of referring them to you. And there is no scarcity in that. There's, there's, it's actually, it's absolute abundance because you're doing something different. You know what I'm saying? And, and it's the same way. Um, I'm working with the Elliot group right now. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm going to be referring my clients to there. They do something completely different. They're that in the moment sale and the, the word track and the script structure and all that. I mean, but they do it so well. They do that section so well. It's like, why would I not tell my clients like, Hey, we've set the foundation. We've got the systems and processes. We've got, you know, some of the scripting and this type of stuff. Let's, let's get the 2.0 and the 3.0 with Elliot. Let's get the, let's make sure that your guys' mindset's right. And that they're removing that root problem and with Brian over here, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so there's so much abundance out there that can be utilized. And, and so many people aren't because they're like, Oh, well, I can do that, that, this, this, and that I can do it all. And I keep it all to myself. Well, you, now you've got one or two or maybe three clients to yourself versus you could have 10 with filling in people that do what you don't do well. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then that business I mean, you're can speaking go even in how to build teams. Right. I mean, that's, that's even beyond who we're, I mean, that's just a team outside of your core business. Right. But I mean, I teach right. most entrepreneurs before I do anything. This is one of the first concepts I get people to understand is just take toll on where you currently are and be intentional with what you're going to be doing. So before I do anything, brother, I ask myself three questions. I've been doing this for 15 years. This worked in my old business and it related to how am I actually guiding? And three questions are this. Is this something that only I can do? Is this something that someone else can do? Is it something that even needs to be done? And if I'm honest with myself in most situations, 85 to 90% of the things that I will be doing will fit into the second two categories. Now, depending mm -hmm. on where you're at in your business, if you're a solopreneur, if you're just a single person sales team, if you're any of these things, then guess what? You, you may have to do certain things that someone else could do until the revenue support or systems will, will support it. But I want you to be aware and intentional going into it that this is something that you're doing for the time being, not in perpetuity, because the faster you can delegate and get things off your plate, the faster you can go create and build more. See, I'm a creator and I'm a builder. I'm also an impact maker, but I have a 12 month cap on my clients because I don't want people dependent on me. Legitimately, yeah. people are like, wait, that's a shitty business model for a coach. I'm like, yeah, because I'm not looking at the same people to be my recurring revenue for the rest of my life. I want to elevate and empower them to go move more people. And I want to focus on new, exciting problems to solve. And so ask yourself that question. What do you need to do to get yourself moving? And what are the three questions you need to ask before you touch everything? I'd argue steal those and use them for yourself. There's so much alignment there because one of the first things I do with my clients is we put together a hierarchy, right? And this hierarchy is not just you and who you have right now. No, it's okay. If I need to get to 10 million, what positions do I need under me in order to get to 10 million? And how many of those am I holding right now? And, 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 and it is very much automate, automate, elevate, I'm sorry, automate, elevate, and eliminate. And then in, in your case, what were the three questions one more time? Is this something that only I can do? Is this something that someone else can do? 
Is this something that even needs to be done? See, I want to live in the things only I can do because that's where my genius is. That's where I have the greatest amount of impact in everything I touch is in that 10 to 15%. Right. But if I could spend 100% of my time there, imagine the level of impact that actually has on our business. Absolutely. And so if they ask themselves those questions, they're able to replace themselves in those pieces of that hierarchy. And, and now we're cooking with peanut oil, like my grandpa used to say. <laughs> Brian, I've had a blast. I have had an absolute blast. I love having you on the show. And this is just one of those episodes that, you know, I already know I'm going to get like 10 pieces of content from. Um, it's obvious <laughs> you've invested in in your speaking, you're communicating, you know what I'm saying? And it's been fantastic having you on the show, brother. Doug, man, I appreciate you. And you're, you're somebody that's a part of my collective impact as well. This is just the beginning, brother. I'm grateful for how you show up. And I, I want to say thank you for creating a platform for me to come pour good into the world. Wouldn't be here without you, my friend. 100%. I just got a message from my producer. I almost forgot to ask one of the most important questions I always ask. And so if you could uh, oblige me on this one, you know, legacy means so many things to so many different people. What does legacy mean to you? And what legacy do you want to leave behind? <laughs> Um, legacy for me is, is kind of a hierarchy as well. The only thing binary in my world is my wife and my kids. So my legacy are through what I'm creating for them. And my kids will be my legacy because we went set into intention with what they're going to be able to do and who they are and some really core foundation in what we decided to set for them. But we're on a mission to impact over a billion lives as quickly as possible by reducing the level of suffering that exists on this planet. And I can't do it alone. So part of my legacy is to find more people who are moving more people because I believe that moved people move people. I'm trying to move as many as I possibly can, but my legacy is hopefully going to be an impact on the reduction of suffering in this world to allow people to exist with more joy, freedom, and fulfillment, living in alignment with exactly who they are with no need to justify to the outside world. So I hope I leave that mark because I know what it's like to be stuck, miserable, disconnected. I almost lost my wife, my kids because of anger I didn't know was buried. We never even talked about when I got my arm ripped off 31 years ago. But the reality of it is, is like there's all of these pieces that come into place and I know pain. I'm a practitioner in pain. And one of our core concepts is embracing pain to avoid suffering. So I just want you to be able to move to a place where you get to live the life you want. You're a part of my legacy. I love that so much. And that was the next thing I was going to say when you talked about moving movers, right? And you can see how on this show, like I've been impacted by you and I'll be able to take this. And if somebody can't, you know, they, for whatever reason, they can't have you help them. I can help them in the meantime, or I can just give them that word that you gave me and transfer that. Or in this case, you know, we're going to have content all over social media about this episode and they can be impacted by that. And so I, I think a billion is going to be easy for you, brother. I think maybe you've already hit it and you just don't know it yet. Cause it's not really that trackable. Right. Um, and so I'm, I'm excited to see what you do in that aspect, brother. And I think that legacy is a hundred percent attainable. Thank you, my friend. All right, brother. I appreciate you coming on the show again. Let's get building. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Building Great Sales Teams. We appreciate it. Be sure to execute on everything that you just heard and let's get building. Before we sign off, we'd like to invite you to join our Brickyard community. 
head on over to jointhebrickyard.com. Again, that's jointhebrickyard.com or click the link in the description to find out more.